Hello and welcome to another episode of Fool's Daily. Hasn't been one for a while. But we did warn people about that, didn't we? Warning, warning, alert, alert. <laughs> Don't be alert. That wasn't the warning. It wasn't. Hello. This is like a special Easter bunny ep- episodes and things, isn't it? Easter, Easter goodies? Yeah. Okay. Sounds, sounds good to me. Fool's Daily Easter Goodie episode. <laughs> Hashtag. In it. Bro. Hello, Mike. Hello, Conrad. It's me, Conrad. It is him. It's In lovely to hear his voice, isn't it? In case they didn't know. We don't hear his voice often enough, frankly. Well, that's because I lost my voice. Mm. But you found, found it again. Badoosh. <laughs> What have you been up to? What have I been up to? Well, not as much as you, Mr. I've got a job now. Shh. Well, we're not telling people that you've got a job. I start tomorrow. Start tomorrow. Who are you working for now, Conrad? I'm working for the government. The government, is that what you're allowed to say? That's what they always say on Pointless. They always say, I'm a civil servant. They never say what department they're a civil servant in. I'm working for HMRC. Yes, he's a tax man. No, I'm not. Ding, 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 ding. Tax man. What? That's uh, that's uh, Beatles, isn't it? Yes. Add Crick's Bane highlight to the mixture from the previous step. <sighs> there you go. Again. So his wrists are better. I can't remember. Did, yes, you had bad wrists last time we we spoke. Yes, I have had the ten. I have had the steroid injection. Uh, which was an interesting experience. Um, and uh, after about a week, things started to get go back to normality. It's been an interesting, interesting experience from a from a losing my wrist point of view because I, I was getting to the Is point that where I'm losing I, your religion. It, it was, yeah, it okay. was. I got to the point where I, I was getting, I had very little strength in my left hand as well is a bit rubbish for um, making stuff or I couldn't even take a pair of marigolds off would you believe well given that just before we got we started recording you got all tangled up in your setup and I thought that you'd actually <laughs> fallen out of your chair <laughs> I'm not surprised yeah it wasn't it wasn't a very pleasant thing because it sort of really really started to affect life in general from about past Christmas time and sort of January and February it became very painful so I was very very keen to get it sorted so um, they they push you onto the obligatory <laughs> we, we talk about my medical problems now um, they push you onto the obligatory anti-inflammatories and uh, drugs and things like that and then uh, you, you have to do that for about three months uh, before they actually make an appointment with the consultant to try and properly deal with the issue which was consultancy oh yes you've got the, the sequoia tendonitis and my notice something or other tendonitis as it's called right um and the treat the initial treatment for that is a steroid injection which is um administered under ultrasound so 
eventually got the appointment for that, and that was a, that was a, uh, an experience in itself as well because they were going from their an old appointment system to a new appointment system, and it just so happened that the the time of me getting an appointment was when they were crossing over. So I waited and waited and eventually rang them up and they said, oh, yes, we've got a new system where it don't worry, it normally takes two weeks. So four weeks later, I rang them up again and they said, oh, we have a new system. Uh, yes, I know that. <laughs> Thank you very much. Where's my appointment? Computer says well, no. Well, actually, we're just going... Because I... You know, obviously, working in IT, you know how it works when you, when you cross over. There's, there's a backlog during the crossover. Yes. Usually. Unless you're parallel running. Um, I don't work in IT anymore. Well, <laughs> but you remember from those days. Oh, back, back in the days of Vax. <laughs> shaken Vax. Not Shaken Vax. So I... Um, I t- you might be in the batch that I'm doing today. And lo and behold, as if by magic, as if by magic, I was in the very batch that she was dealing with that day. There's an element of uh, subterfuge there, I think, and an element of truth as well. So, in the end, uh, I turned up on a Friday and took about half an hour. Um, it was a bit painful afterwards. Had some very funny feelings with uh, the rolling of muscles on my wrist, but... Did you cry? Uh, no, I did. I possibly cried when I had it. Not when I had the injection, but the pain was like... It's a grey pain, basically. Oh. So it's like back pain or tooth pain. It's, it's a, uh, yeah. just makes you, makes you just grumpy. Just takes out of you. Yeah. Uh, but now I seem to be fine at the moment i don't i'm hoping that it lasts forever because if it doesn't it's surgery apparently but i have constructed figures i have been i'm painting salt at the moment who i think is now finished salt oh a gilball model silt salt is the little oh no he's not finished there's not there's a there's a collar around him which i think should be metal or should it be leather should it be magic? There's too many browns on it already. Is there? Yeah. What colour should I make the... Make the... What's it called around his neck? Collar? Collar, that's it. You've said it already. <laughs> <laughs> As you can see, the steroid injection has affected my breasts and my memory. Well, how are they going to see that it's affected your breasts? <laughs> Because I'm quite pert this morning. Are you? <laughs> well, there's several listeners who who have had to retire to their bunks now. Some of them have gone to get cold showers, no doubt. No doubt. Well, that's cool. So, modelling, eh? It's been a while since you've modelled. I have, yes. Um, Are you back, enjoying it? Back, back in the 60s, I was on the front cover of Vogue. <sighs> Don't start, you'll make me cross. <laughs> Have I enjoyed it? Yes. Um, though I did make... Uh, what is Keris's totem called? Um, Eternal Flame, isn't it? Is something like that? Isn't that Sonya's? Oh, I don't know. That horrible spidery thing. I don't know. See, I've now got to go and look, look in the, the binder, haven't I? Uh, it, was, it is the Eternal Flame, yeah. Oh. Yeah. 
Um, I couldn't work out to put it how to put it together. Oh, uh, but you, this... you, you'd have been able to use the excellent, helpful instructions on the weird website. I did, <laughs> and I still couldn't work it out. I eventually found a picture which had a number of shots, uh, uh, which was it was a review of the Keris box set, and it had about four shots of this thing, and. I worked it out from that picture because, you know, normally with these plastic kits, they slot into particular positions or places. Yes. With this this thing, it was actually finding the place where they were meant to slot in. It wasn't yeah. like it wasn't like a proper lug type thing. Yeah. And the, and, <coughs> Excuse me. Bless you. And the uh, the legs sort of fit next to each other as well underneath the body, so. It's, it's all these sort of flat surfaces and slanted surfaces. And it's making sure that the, that particular piece is at the right angle. Exactly right. So, so the, the relevant it. flat surfaces align with the relevant flat surfaces. Yep. And yep. It, it was... Um, it was a, I think that figure took me about an hour to put together. Yeah. Um, it's, it's something... I mean, I've, it's something about the weird kits. I mean, they are lovely once you get them together. Yes. However... And oh, and I should say they are massively improved from when they when they first started in things like sprue layout and stuff. That all the bits for a particular model are in a particular section of the sprue. Yep. And but I've do... been building some forty k models. I bet there's a bit of a difference there. You can get massively dynamic models, four pieces. <laughs> because of it's... the way they slice the way they slice them and the way they layer them. But that, that's something that's obviously been learned over time, hasn't yep. it? Um, and GW have it at such a, a high level. But yeah. other people must be able to do it as well. Well, I think, I think part of it is that in the GW case, and I've been, I mean, I've been building Space Marines, so it's not a complex kit anyway. But... And they were the they were the Space Marines from the starter box set, and I'll come on to why in a little while. But they went together beautifully, and they look awesome. The models, you know, they're they're nicely posed models and everything. I think the thing is, is that everything's with them. Everything's in house. Yeah. And so when their designers build a model, when they go to cut it up for sprues, they're doing it with the plastics production people next to them. Whereas in the case of you know the companies that are outsourcing them to China, there's that the fact that you're in the states or whatever, and you're sending your digital files to China to be sliced up. But do you think there's also an element of, uh, well, or there should be an element of the fact that you know a, a modeler should be looking at these things as well. I think, you know, should, I think there should be. I mean, there's there's, there's some ridiculous things. I mean. From a Malifaux point of view, we always used to joke about Man- Jan Lowe's beard. Yeah. So I'm building, at the moment, a um, guild ore stringer. Is that like a guild ore stringer? That's what I said. Ore stringer. Yeah. It's from Austria. <laughs> so, he, you know, he has an eagle on his wrist. The feet of the eagle are separate pieces. Yeah, they, they, of course they would be. So you can have dynamic posing and and a one-legged eagle as you lose... As you lose a piece. A piece, yeah. 
just like the pigeons in London. <laughs> it's a homage to, <laughs> to, to the pigeons, the one-legged pigeon roaming around Earl's Court on the platform trying to find food. So at the moment, I haven't put him. To, I haven't put him together for. Uh, I put. I put him together, but I haven't put the uh, uh, the eagle on because, frankly, I'm scared of dropping the bits on the floor and never seeing them again. And and it is you know at hobby rooms uh, and notori- and hobby areas are notoriously clear of stuff, and you know it's easy to find, and That's we right. don't we don't have. You know, we can ease these. These 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 have got like some sort of detection system on each piece, which you get. You know, and you get the, like the um, the thing that allows you to find it. You know, it's, you know, like when you whistle for your car keys, that sort of thing. I lose my car keys. Well, you need one of them then. Clearly, they got me one for. Um, family got me one for Christmas. And you lost that? No, I just won't put it on because it makes my car keys bulky, and I like. I don't like. Bulky car keys. Well, you need to you need a keychain like mine with like your key, your keychain looks. You look. You've got more keys on yours than than Mr. Matt Spooner has, and he guards prisons. <laughs> yeah, and nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with it. What guarding prisons? No, having a keychain <laughs> which can be used as an offensive weapon. Yeah, that is basically a kosh. <laughs> <laughs> I've got enough rings on there to go on figures, so on my fingers, so it becomes a knuckle duster as well. <laughs> oh dear! But yeah, yeah but, so. but we have talked about this before in terms of like the the complexity of the the kits. So yeah, nothing gets done though. No. It's, yeah, it's, it is what it is, isn't it? Yes, and um, it, the scale of some of their things is just. It, the pieces are so small in an adult's hand, basically, you know? Yes. Uh, yeah, it so is... They do seem to have got their model scaling problems solved. Yeah, which is good. The models do seem to be coming out at a consistent scale now. So, anyway. So, what else? You, so, you've been so building Keris for Malifaux. Because Why are you building Keris? It's something to do with doubles, isn't it? I don't know, are we doing that? We haven't bought tickets yet. It's definitely something to do with doubles. Okay. So are we going to go? I, I believe so. Excellent. I'll book tickets then. I've got to paint them though. But uh, I've also got to work out a crew. So I've had two games with Keris and uh, uh, compared to summoning masters, which is obviously where I've been for a, a while mm. apart from some of the Reza Masters but you know predominantly uh, Nicodem and uh, Ramos and though I have dabbled in the Vix this year a little bit as well yeah. just as a change um, it's it's very different and you actually have uh, to think about your models yeah and you don't get stuff back so when it dies it, it it's gone it's um it's been interesting, uh, and then there's this you know there's a whole crew selection and upgrade stuff and things like that, and it's been um it's going to take me a while to get my head around her because she is 
I mean, my first game, I decided I'd try the Firestarter, for instance. And I seem to spend all my time and effort and resource keeping, um, him, alive. keeping him alive by putting burning on him and then Keris with her, her aura that heals people with burning, healing him. Uh, and it just seemed to be like, well, well, that's a bit of a trap, really. So I tried a different upgrade the second game. I've got uh, one. I've got one. I've got a fire starter for you. Have you? Yeah, the limited edition one. I've got one as well. What the limited edition one? Yeah, because uh, I managed to get one from uh, our uh, Black Friday sale as well. Well, I didn't get it. Okay, then I'll, young, keep, I'll keep it then. Young Nigel did. Oh, no, I haven't got you. No, I haven't got you a fire starter. Oh, well, you have? No, I haven't. But but it's uh, this far lo- starter here. This, a, it, that far starter there. Problem. But then that's got inherent problems with it as well because it. I think there are points in that model which are quite clearly going to snap off. Um, you know, I can see the plastic. Um, you know that when when it changes colour, it's that that whitey grey. I can yeah. see places where it's it's taken some pressure, so it's going to break at some point well it isn't if you're careful yeah, yeah and yeah. if it does break you can just glue it back together this is true <laughs> so there you go yes so i've been playing a, a bit of malifaux okay well uh, uh what i found really interesting with malifaux just the, oh, okay. is the the gaining ground stuff now we did go over this in a, all gaining grounds 2016 <sighs> really really cerebral yeah, really cerebral um, change that is, I think. Yeah. Uh, and um, that's in itself is you know going to take a little while to get used to as well. Yeah, because you just won't come across all the schemes and things. There are schemes that I still haven't played. Yeah. Um, so there you go. Yeah. I like it. I like the game grounds. 2016, I must admit, because it sort of plays into the way that I play the game. Um, so that's quite nice. Though it has made um, one of my morning upgrades completely pointless, so I no longer take it. Woohoo! <laughs> Which gives me two extra stones in that crew to do other things with. Uh, what's the other thing? I've been uh, I've been going to Harlow War Games Club on a Tuesday evening. Right. And I have taken part in a Kings of War Beginners League. And I've really enjoyed it. And I nearly, nearly won it as well. There was only you and one other person playing? (laughs) No, there were eight people, actually. (laughs) Um, And I've really enjoyed it. Um, It's made me really... It's made me build stuff. Well, for instance, it's made, made, made me pull out a kit that I've had for 32 years, I discovered, and build it in the form of the, the steam-powered dwarf war engine known as the Juggernaut, which was originally manufactured in 1984 and cost me 25.95. And if you look on eBay, it's worth about 500 quid, apparently. Yeah. That's a good um, kit. But that came with its own problems as well, because uh, being a proper lead kit... It's all bent... <laughs> No, it's a bit... It's got that lead dust on it. So, oh, is it? Oh. So I sort of... Oh, I had to get rid of this. I've looked at the internet and it basically said, put it in acid. 
yeah. white white vinegar. So I didn't have any white vinegar, so I put some malt vin- put it in malt vinegar, and uh, put some. And that smells like a chip shop. Cleaning agent, and there it smells very vinegary <laughs> and bleaching. So that didn't really work. So in the end, uh, th- I'd read that the only way of getting rid of it is essentially um, taking the layer off. So yeah, wire brush. With a dr- well, wire brush wouldn't even shift it, you know. Oh. I ended up with a Dremel and um, some brass heads that I've got for the Dremel. Oh, effectively polishing it down. Polishing it, yeah. And there's parts there I can't get to. But once I've, uh, you know, once most it's undercoated of it, and stuff. Well, that's the other thing. You sh- I've sort of read that you shouldn't use a water-based um, sealant on it. So I'll probably put a coat of um, dull coat over it and then paint, then undercoat over that. Yeah. Varnish first to see. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that's been uh, interesting. Cool. Um, and it, it gives you the opportunity to to do some modelling because Kings of War is is essentially element based. Right. Elements, you know, you, you instead of having your block of twenty by four troops, you've got a minimum um, and preferred model count for a Kings of War um, units as such. Um, but it it allows you to put models on a base essentially, and you, you know, like in the old fancy battle days, the, yeah. the sort of filler filler things. You you can do things with that. So I can see myself going down that route at some point. Um, but it's been surprising how tactical the game really is. Once you introduce um, scenery on the table uh, and with the inherent rule set itself specifically the the movement uh, and the pivoting of units right because they, they pivot in the they, there's no wheeling isn't there they pivot yeah, on the spot sort of thing they pivot around the center essentially yeah um, yeah because i've seen some companies make fancy movement trays that have a sort of a pivoting middle yeah so I'm going to take that to a different level um, and essentially have a movement tray. I'm going to prototype it first. Uh, have a movement tray with a hole in the centre and then you just have a bit of dowling or something like that. You put it into that hole and you can pivot your base that way. Very nice. So so you don't have the extra thickness then? Uh, pretty much, yeah. yeah. Um, so that, that <coughs> that's one thing, but... Th- I've just really enjoyed the game. From what I thought was a, a when we, when we first started was a fairly simple game. It's actually quite a tactical game, um, and the swings and roundabouts of the game, irrespective of the number of dice that you have to roll, sometimes is right, so it, it's very much a a bucket of dice game, isn't it? It can be, yeah, yeah. Because if you get the the flank and rear attacks on a unit. Your your uh, attacks are doubled in the flank and trebled in the in the rear. Um, so, you know, one one game I was rolling seventy five dice, but uh, what it boiled down to was that my opponent said, "Look, just take the route test, and uh, if if uh, you roll double one, I'll keep the unit on. Otherwise, um, I'll take the unit off." So. And there have been occasions when I've done that as well. So, so you, you can't. So you, your opponent asks you to roll a test for his unit. 
Yes, because this game was predominantly written by Alessio, I believe, and it yes. was it was written for potentially being played in a timed environment. Ah, right, so, so everything's happening on your clock. Exactly right. So when you roll what is the equivalent of a route test, or as it's called in Kings of War, a nerve test, you roll it for their opponents, and that in itself has been an interest. Because originally we started by rolling our opponent, or my opponent, rolling it. And then uh, it was Nick. Nick f- was watching something on YouTube, and he, he noticed that the active player was rolling that roll, that nerve test roll, for his opponent's unit, and went away and checked the rules, and that's the way you're meant to do it. So that presents an interesting feeling when you're playing the game, because that test is out of your hands. Okay. And re- in reality, all it is is you're not rolling the dice. Somebody else is rolling the dice. The, yes. The same thing would happen potentially anyway, you know, if if you were rolling the dice. Um, yes, but, yes, it's not necessarily affecting the result. It's the, yeah, unless you've got fixed dice, of course. Oh, unless yeah. you picked up those special dice that always roll double sixes, you know. You remember the people that you always used to have different dice for leadership? Oh, dice? yes, yes. And then when we brought out those bloody yellow WPS um, charity dice, everyone seemed to be using those for... Uh, things as well well that sounds, that sounds very interesting but yeah no it's been it's been nice seeing other people do stuff with because there's there's a real mix of people at um, races playing at uh, at harlow so you've got anything from your traditional elves to ogres to undead um and it's been interesting seeing people do hobby stuff with that right and the enthusiasm for the game uh, to the point of now that the, the league's nearly finished, we're talking about running a campaign there as well, which is, you know, it says something about the interest in the game as nice. well. They've been running. I've, they've been running uh, Kings of War campaign down uh, after, the aftermath. Yeah. 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 Um, Leon is very much a mantic um, guy. He does whatever their, you know, henchman press ganger type person is called um he does that he does that for the for mantic so right i, I can't remember what they're called but um oh that sounds right that sounds very interesting so you've pulled the dwarves out for the first time in a long time yeah it's, it's gonna be seventh edition when i last played with them hmm. sweet they're a little bit uh chipped and things but well, that's good does that matter, though? No, absolutely not. You know. So, and it's the first sort of mass battle game you played for a while. Uh, fant- fantasy, definitely. Yeah. Uh, obviously, I've I've been dabbling with War and Conquest. Oh yes, on as well. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's that's very interesting. Um, I've been doing fantasy gaming as well, but a slightly different route. Ooh. Is this a? Uh, Dragon Rampant. This is Dragon Rampant. Which I'm very keen to give a go as well. It's... How to describe it? It's more akin to Saga than Fantasy Battle. Yeah. Um, but it's giving... It's certainly giving Matt and I 
what we need from fantasy gaming. Maybe, maybe an easy know. win for you. Yeah, but that could be any game. <laughs> I mean, let's face it. Um, but it's it's maybe maybe similar to Lord of the Rings as well. Yeah. Though I didn't play very much Lord of the Rings. I only played a couple of games of it. Um, but it's... Basically, it, it's a generic set of unit types. So there's um, elite infantry, elite cavalry, heavy cavalry, light cavalry, heavy infantry, light infantry, that sort of thing. You know, yeah. Bellicose infantry. Um you know your frenzied types and things. So there's just there's just this list of generic unit types, and they and each generic unit type has their stats. And you play, you then match what figures you want to use to a particular unit type. So there are a load of suggested army types in the back of the book, but. You can. You don't have to. You know. You don't have to use that because you're just using the generic unit things. So it's inherently balanced. You, yeah. If you if you want to take an army that's all, you know, screaming frenzied nut jobs, that's fine. Um. And it's it's based around the concept of strength points. In that a unit has a certain number of strength points and. Strength points are effectively unit wounds. Yep. So if you take a heavy infantry unit, for example, that costs you four army points, and it is 12 strength points. Now, how you choose to model that is up to you. You could model it as one giant monster. Yep. Or you can model it as 12 individually based models. And... When you take casualties or take damage in the game, your strength points are reduced. And again, it's up to you how you track it. So it, you could do it exactly in the same way you do in Kings of War, in that you don't, you're not removing models or anything. Effectively, everything's just an element. Yep. Or you can remove models. Now, the way we decided to play it is that we remove models because you've only got a unit of 12. So it's easier. So it's easier. It's practical, rather. Is we've it? got them. We've got them on little movement trays, but because we've based them up on, because there's no, there's no concept of rank and flank. Yeah. It's much more a, amorphous cloud type thing. Even though way way we've based them, we've based them in lines. The way that you set up and the way you do movement is you nominate a model as the leader model, and at the end of a move, all other models within that. Uh, formation have to be within three inches of that leader model. So there is a coherency type. So there's thing. effectively a coherency type thing, and so it's e- we decided it was just easier. Let's just put them in little ranks, which was which would conveniently be catering for the three inch thing as well. Yes, and so I, you know, they're all so mine are all on round bases. I knocked up some little movement trays, and they just fit in, and so you get a nice little unit of twelve or whatever. But you can mi- mix and match, so. Um, a unit of bellicose infantry is 12 strength points. Um, Matt uses, because he's playing some samurai, he uses his Oni 
as bellicose infantry and we just say each one has four wounds so the unit is only three models okay and so and so it's completely up to you how you model it so long as you you make aware to your opponent what this it, what each unit is and obviously you know you're playing a regular opponent you quickly know that this is it so matt's bellicose infantry are these three oni models or three ogres if you want my bellicose infantry are 12 um plague sensor bearer scaven plague sensor bearer type things oh those are great figures and i've mixed and matched and i've put character models in it and you know when there were other models that had plague sensors they're in the unit as well so it looks really nice but the unit's are exactly the same, and they behave exactly the same on the tabletop. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Which is great, because you know, from a stats point of view and things like that, yes. you know. Yes, and so, and then you get, so then the gameplay, the gameplay is quite interesting. So that's basically how you build them in. So you, but you play to a certain amount of army points. Um, the recommended in the book is 24, which works out at about four units. Um, which, is, which is not a lot, really. Is it? Well, we found it very swingy. So we we're actually playing at forty-eight, which gives. I think the game we played the other day had eight units. Um, a unit you can make a unit cost a maximum of ten army points, and you can have a maximum of ten units in your army. So you can't make a whole load of one-point units and just flood the board. Yeah. <clears throat> And one of the other things that controls how many units you want to put down is you can't have a unit come within three inches of another unit okay. at any time, including your own units. So obviously, if you're spread out in a battle line, the more units you have, the wider you have to go to get them in. What size board do you play it on? We're as playing well? on a six by four. Oh, so it's still quite a big playing area as well. Yeah, yeah we're playing on a six by four. And we played a scenario the other week where we had to abandon the, where we had to play lengthways, and so we had to abandon the three-inch rule to start with, and we just had to get as three. You basically, I had to, I was on the narrow end, and I had to just move my units so that they were three inches apart as soon as possible. Yeah, it's, you know, it's that sort of game. Well, you've got to be able to uh, adjust for something like that, unless you. Um, stack stuff behind. Yeah, but you've only got so much deployment zone, and yeah, yeah, especially on a, a, a lengthwise. Yeah, and so the way the game plays is effectively each unit has a set of stats. Um, you know, it has a shoot, and it has a fight, and it has a move. But that's a number that you have to roll more equal to or more than on two d six. So I'll, nom- I'll say I'm going to move this unit of heavy infantry. I roll my 2d6. If I get a, I think it's five or more to move my unit of heavy infantry, I can move them and um, heavy infantry gets moved up to six inches. So I can move them up to six inches. And that's, okay. their acti- that's them activated. If I fail that roll, you know, I roll a three, that's the end of my turn. So it's um, very Warmaster-esque. Yes. 
Yes, you fa- you fail a roll, so you can so you have to think very carefully about what order you want to activate units in. If you're going, I'm going to just move this chaff unit first, and you fail, your turn's over. Yeah, and then all of a sudden the strategic advantage is with your opponent. Yeah, and he, you know, he has a, goes yeah. on a good set of rolls, and he gets all of his units to activate. So I, I I like that idea. It it's it's a nice little idea. It works well. Um, there's various um, your leader, for example, your general, for example, adds plus one to a dice roll within twelve inches. So if you know, so the heavy infantry, I would actually move them on a four, for example. Um, but there's various other things. There's um, and when you fight combat, the number of dice you roll is dependent on how many strength points you have left. Okay, so there's an, an attrition type. Yeah, so basically if you have more than half your strength points left, you roll 12 dice. If you have under half your uh, I think it's half or more. So basically if I have six or more models left in my uh, strength points left in my 12 strength point unit... I'm rolling 12 dice. If I have under, I'm rolling 6 dice. Yeah. I mean, I understand that. There isn't that um, concept in Kings of War. And when we were, when you're first playing it, you think to yourself, well, should there be? But the, the rules are the rules at the end of the day. Yeah. And obviously you can do whatever you want with them because, you know, I, I've actually, going, going back on the old um, Iron Cross activation token type thing you know I, I, layering that on top of any sort of game to me is would be a, a brucey bonus sort of thing because it, it allows a different element command and control element to it but when you actually um get used to playing the way that it is you know the, the rules are as written as it were you understand why those values yeah. are there and why they're playing it because effectively you get to so it's a six turn game normally you roll for a seventh turn quite often in the scenario right. um and round about turn three things start going down basically right uh, and there is a real feel of a set of troops going into each other very much like war and conquest i have that same feeling in war and conquest when like with the sh- push and shove type bonuses that you get in War on Conquest for, for winning um, combats. So you go into combat, if you don't route the unit, you and if you've charged that unit, you move away one inch. So is, there is this recoil from going in, and your opponent in their turn. So there is, you know, it's a your turn, my turn, yep. you, go, you, you go, I go. Yeah, to, and that's, the, that's the same as uh, Dragon Rampant. Yeah, except there is this failure thing. Yeah, but we, but combat in Dragon Rampant also has the bounce back thing. Oh, okay, you, yeah. I, yeah, I like that. I like you, you go idea. you go in if you if you go in basically. I roll my twelve attack dice. My opponent, assuming full strength units, rolls his twelve defense dice. We both have a number that we have to get. Normally, attack dice. Um, the attack number is a lower number to get than the defense dice is. Yep, yep. So same sort of thing. There's a there's a. a a ranged attack value if you want to shoot. There's a, a melee attack value for right. fighting. And yep. your opponent's troops have a defense value. 
um, and that's what you need to, to essentially kill. There's no armor save or anything like that. Okay, so. so the way the way that it works in Dragon Rampant is, say I'm charging you with my unit of of um, you know, hairy barbarians, rah, and smash you. So they their attack value is three. So I need to roll. So I'm rolling twelve dice. I need to get threes. Yeah. So um, the the unit itself in Kings of War has an attack value as well. Right. So a number of dice will be rolled, and you have to hit with a particular value okay. on that unit stat as well. So it's very similar. It does sound similar. And then my defend the defending unit has an armor value. Um, and that armor value basically is the it equates to the number of dice that you have to get hits on to take a to remove a strength point. Okay. So yeah. if you if you have so I'm rolling twelve dice. Um, if I'm attacking a armor value four unit, which would be an elite infantry unit, for example, their armor value four. Um, for every four hits I get, I get to remove one strength. I do one strength point of damage, which you can easily see, um, because leftovers are wasted. You can easily see if I roll one failure. I could roll eleven. I could roll eleven hits and one failure. That one failure can, effectively cancels out three hits. Whereas against an armor two unit, obviously, it um, it works better. And then the defending unit rolls their defense value. Their def- the, rolls their attack dice, trying to get their defense value, which would, might be a five instead of a three. And then I take off my casualties. And then whoever's done the most casualties basically recoils away. Yeah. Okay, um, so, and then you have to make um, leadership tests effectively. So in Kings of War, each uh, unit has a a number of stats um, associated with it. One of which is its nerve stat, and a nerve stat is a split stat. The first value is the wavering stat, and the second value of that nerve stat is the route stat. Not all troops have both values. So fearless troops, for instance have a dash, so they never waver, and then they have a second value, which is their route value. Uh, So you go into attack, you have a number of hits, you roll to wound based on their defense, which can be modified by your unit having crushing strength or weaponry or stuff that that essentially adds a modifier to that to wound roll. Uh, You count up the number of wounds... Um, or hits, well, sorry, wounds on that unit. So, for instance, let's say we did four hits. Yeah. The units that you're fighting against has a, a nerve stat of 12 stroke 15. Okay. You then roll two dice to take a nerve test. And you're rolling them for your, I'm, I guess, I'm your rolling, unit. Yep, yeah, exactly right. Uh, and I add the number of, on that on those two dice six, to the number of wounds on the unit four in this case if it is equal to or above the first stat it wavers if it's equal to or above the second stat it's routed and taken off the board and when you're wavered you can't you, you're limited in what you can do and one of the things you can't do is charge okay so it does have it's you know it's like suppression fire i suppose yeah. no it's very similar then in dragon rampant so in dragon rampant um the losing unit makes, or if you, or if it's a draw, and you, you know, if you both done a couple of casualties, <coughs> for example, or taken off a couple of strength points, you bo- and you recoil away, you both take a courage test. Yep. So you, units will have a courage value, five or six typically. So you roll two d, you roll two d six, 
and compare it with your courage value. Mm-hmm. If you get over your courage value, you're fine. If you get under your courage value, then you count as being battered. And so you get a battered token. And when you're battered, it's just like it sounds almost exactly like the wavering. Um, you've got a battered token. Uh, if someone else attacks you, then, um, you know, your, uh, your stance of... Your your armor stays the same, but you're only hitting them back on sixes, so you're less likely to, you're more likely to lose combat. But it's modified by the amount of strength points that you've lost. Okay. Yep. So there is. So once you start losing strength points, then you know effectively your current the score you have to get goes up. And if you get a modified when you're rolling, if you get a modified value of zero or less, so I've lost four strength points. I roll a three. Three Mm -hmm. minus four is minus one. The unit is just destroyed. It's just taken off the board. Okay. So rather than getting some, 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 so. some sensible stuff in there. So it's very, very. <clears throat> si- sounds like sounds very similar. And um, one of the interesting things with because um, you resolve you resolve a units when you activate a unit, you resolve everything for it before you then do the next one. Yep. So you can get the concept of effectively. Con- continual attacks on the same unit you know you send someone in to smash him up you batter them then another unit can come in and finish them off yep yep sort of thing it provided you're not failing dice rolls which is what i did <laughs> the other day i'd set it up perfectly i went in i'd waste i'd weaken them all they were only going to be rolling half their defense dice i went to go in with my big war beast and failed <laughs> to activate it can't can't um you can't, you know, when the dice gods are like that, there's nothing you can do about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, we've been discussing whether we want to have, um, enable you to spend an army point on buying a re-roll up to, you know, like a maximum of three re-rolls or something, um, just to prevent that sort of thing. Or maybe not a re-roll, but maybe a an auto-pass. Yes, I see what you're saying, yeah. yeah. Sort of thing, you know, I'm going to burn my auto-pass. To make it, you know, my auto activation because there is a general, there is an ability on the general to do that. So, what about scenarios and things in Kings of War? Um, there are six scenarios in the book. Um, I was just going to briefly say that uh, shooting operates in the same sort of way. You know, the you, all right, you have a you've, you have a shoot stat and you roll and then you roll against defence. Any time you t- a unit takes wounds, you have to roll a nerve test. So, there's a nerve test at the end of the phase in, in shooting. During melee, when you've done your melee, for that particular melee, you take the nerve test then. Um, and the other thing that I really like about it is that uh, if you are charged um, by a unit, when it comes to your turn, so you break away, obviously, you get one of the orders you can do is, is counter charge. Right. Um, and that includes if you've been charged in the rear or flank. So you can counter charge and you counter charge and you turn the unit and countercharge that unit. Because, um, and I really like that idea. Um, the other thing is, spells are treated as ranged attacks. Right. There's only about five or six spells in the whole, in, in the magic at all. One is a, a heal spell, one is a strength bonus spell, essentially. One's a lightning and fireball, so those are just ranged attacks. And then they've got this thing called surge, which is used for troops that have a trait called shambling. So, you're thinking slow lumbering 
creatures and undead. And that gives them a, you know, a Van Howes dance macabre type additional move in a straight line. Um, so that's the, that's just, that's the magic. The scenarios are, are very good. There's, you, you know, you've obviously got your, your pitch battle. You've got uh, a center point domination one. Um, you've got a loot counters one, uh, an objectives counters one. And then one of the scenarios, they actually mix the fighter pitch battle plus the loot. Okay. So it's called, it's called kill and pillage or something like okay. that. Um, and the, the scenarios are very good. Um, and what it does straight off, you know, playing dwarves, for instance, immediately you think, ah, dwarf gunline army, blah, 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 blah. But these scenarios do not support those sorts of armies at all. Right. Because you've got to move, okay. essentially. Um, so the one thing that I've really enjoyed about the League is it's allowed me to develop a list, essentially, over the time. Um, and compared to the list that I originally started playing Kings of War with, with, with Nick, which was like, you know, shooty stuff yeah. um, and rifles, it's completely different. You know, I have an army that moves about and I really enjoy it, even though they only move four inches and five inches. I enjoy it, you know, because it allows me to um, move, basically, rather than just stay static at the, at, at the end of the board, you know, in your deployment zone, and at some point you have to move a bit, you know. Um, and I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed that element of it, playing a non-static dwarf army. Nice. But then they've done some very good things, Mantic, as well, and I and I... We'll hold my hand up and say I'm not a Mantic fan. Um, oh, yeah, got, yeah, but you're not a fan of the um, the miniatures. Some of the miniatures, yeah. I mean, the the zombies obviously are very nice. Yes. Uh, uh, the, I like, I think. the new centaurs seem to be quite nice well, as well. I haven't, I haven't seen those. Um, there are a few troops that are quite nice, but you know, I've not I've not generally been a a fan of their miniatures. Um, but th- their lists are such that they give you opportunities. Again, we're going back to the hobby side of things yeah. to, to do stuff. So for instance, in the, in the dwarf list, you have elementals in there. You have earth elementals. Right. So you're looking around for, in the same way as, you know, open combat, these, these open figure game systems um, that we're kind of, enjoying a lot yeah. of it allows you to go out and look for stuff so i've always wanted to play trolls in sorry i've always liked the troll figures in pp in yes. the hordes war machine so i've got this big um i can't remember what it's called earthborn troll as my earth elemental oh, and nice. it's just it's just an awesome finger and i've just enjoyed that was my first thing i built after me the um my uh Tendonitis. Thing. All right. Okay. So, um, I mean, we, but I mean, I'm just looking forward to painting. It, yeah. Know? I mean, I've been doing, I've been doing the same with Dragon Rampant. So I've been, I've been playing Skaven um, because obviously I have one or two of them. <laughs> and maybe. Yeah. And um, so I, I put together a, a force for those. Because you originally didn't start with them, though, did no, you? No, I started off. By using the using the bar- barbarians, 
But um, I decided, oh, no, I'll use the Skaven instead. And I went with the Skaven. And, and that was after you'd put them away as well. It was. So I got them back out again. But then um, we we sort of got a bit carried away and started thinking about... Matt, Matt was torn on what he wanted to do. Cause he, what, he, not, he, not, not Oriental? No, he wants to have a proper fantasy army. Oh, okay. So he was torn on what to do, and he was umming and ahhing, going, oh, I don't know. And so I said to him, well, don't. Don't tie yourself... Because what he was doing, he was, he was thinking in the... the Games Workshop um, mode mm. of a fixed army. You know, chaos, or demons, or, you know, or dwarves, or whatever. And I said to him, don't do that. Do like a coalition of evil. So, you know, have a necromancer unit where a necromancer is raising up skeletons and zombies. And that's just a unit. And so that you can have effectively individual little modelling projects for each of the units. Yep. And that'll work. And that'll make you, motivate you. And, and Yeah. And then we come up with a little story that ties them together. And we're going to do a campaign. So I've got a load of the plastic Mighty Empires tiles. Yep. Then mount them on a board. We're going to paint it up, do a little map, and we're going to have a little campaign. And his his friend, um, not Gay Neil, is um, we're going to he's going to play as well. Um, he was so excited by the demo game he had last week. He actually spent money on the rules, which apparently <laughs> is unheard of. <laughs> but that's a good thing. Yeah. So so I got carried away. And I was originally thinking, I'll do an Empire Army, because I've never had an Empire Army, and I've always wanted one. And then I thought, well, no, but I could do this. And So I, what, I, what I've ended up doing is effectively a Dogs of War type army. Which is good. Um, which, it, not using Dogs of War, not using the Dogs of War figures, but using the, um, um, you know, to that concept of each individual unit having a story. Yep. Um, so I took one of my barbarian units, the, and all the models that I was using as um, Hearthguard and things when I was playing barbarians in Saga, because now I can't take them to official tournaments. I've sort of retired the whole pagan Russ idea. Yep. Not that I'm bitter. Um, <laughs> There'll be events out there that you can use it. There will be. Honest. So anyway, so I bought, so I thought, okay, I'll put them. So I, I put the models. I started to put the models together, and I thought, um, and I painted. I painted one. You know the big foundry Viking that I've got, the completely ahistorical one. Yes, yes. It looks like a mini thread sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I painted him, and um, and he's nice as well. I put quite a lot of effort into him. I was quite pleased with him, and I, he's got stripy trousers and things, and I don't normally do. Well, I think that's where your your confidence has gone for for doing other stuff, you know. So your your recent Kalodi stuff, for instance. Yeah, I I would agree. I would agree. I think it has. But anyway, so I painted his tra- I painted stripy trousers and things, and they came out really well, and I was really pleased with them. And then I started to play about with the unit, and I thought because I've got to paint some of these barbarians for um you know my year painting project because they go into my um Ogam army. Yeah. And I thought, well, you know, I could paint this and. So this the idea for this barbarian unit coalesced, and I got um, the 
Gilmore model, the brewer lady. Oh, Esther. yeah, yeah, Esther. And so she's in the unit, and then I've decided... So And then I came up with this story for her. And um, so she's she's in charge of this unit. And um, she has her two sons, who one of whom is the big... Um, Barber, you know, Viking guy from Foundry, and then I've got Big Boris. Um, but... Isn't he? Uh, isn't he going though? <laughs> so I've got um, a Big Boris, but it's a Mark II Big Boris, not the Mark III that I have modified to ride on the bear, who's Boris Bear Rider. And then I have um, Bearback bear Boris. And then I have this old. I have an old, an old guy um, from Hasselfree who is her dad, and so this unit is now family. And they'll all be they'll all have this red and white stripe somewhere in their thing to Britain. And so this unit has coalesced that it's her family and she's pulled all her relatives together to do it. And so I made them um bellicose... stupid to me. <laughs> so I made them bellicose... it probably is. I made them bellicose infantry. Um which means, you know, the they're barbarians and they run forward and go Aah! and um to represent their um toughness because I gave them. There's there's various options you can give things um, units, and you can give them fantasy type traits. And I gave them uh, uh, extra shiny armor, not to represent their extra the fact that they've got extra shiny armor, just to represent they're harder than normal barbarians. It basically makes them armor three instead of armor two. Yeah. So it just takes a few more casualties to whittle them down. And then I thought, well, that makes them. You know, that's a bit uber and stuff. So there's another rule in there called fearful. And I, so I gave them fearful. And what fearful does is it means that all your leadership tests, are, all your courage tests are at minus one. Um, so you're more likely to run away. Yep. And so then in the little story, they're not actually scared. It's when they see the battle going against them, they realize they can get co- there's easier coin to be had elsewhere. <laughs> And so they slip off the battlefield. And so it's the same rules, exactly the same as, um, you know, a Skaven unit that I've given fearful to because the Skaven background is that they get beaten down. But the, the, going back to the, this sort of construction of the unit, so you've got lists in Dragon Rampart, but you also have this flexibility to, yes, to just make, make stuff make, up. Make up basically. what you want, basically. And so that was one unit, and that, that whole thing sparked a whole load of other things and so I've picked up some figures that you know I've wanted for a really really long time but this is what it does you you know you have an excuse now for, so for doing stuff so I got a war wagon you know the old metal empire yeah, oh yes 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 so I got that and I'm going to use that I'm using that as it's classified in the game as a greater war beast but you can do it but you can do it yeah um, and I got a, a very very nice man on Twitter gave me a very very nice deal on the Empire War Wagon because the one on the one on um, eBay was £189. <laughs> he gave me a very very nice deal for which I am internally grateful. Um, so I got an Empire War Wagon, and then you know I've been casting around. So um, I picked up a box set of Scarlock's Wood Elf Archers. Do you remember them? Yes, I do. Beautiful, beautiful Jez Goodwin figures. Absolutely gorgeous. So, and I ended up with a unit of them. So I got twelve of them, and then, but they kept, they actually came in the original box. 
Nice. Um, yeah, I've thrown the original box away. <laughs> um, because I'm not, uh, I'm not fussed by that sort of thing. And, um, but but it will lose its value and everything. Uh, I, don't and I don't care. because care. The, the it, world came with, it came with 21 figures. I only need 12 of them. So I've sold the other nine for more than I paid for the box. <laughs> um, and, and that's so, but, why you are a successful business. But, so those sorts of things. And then I've got a little unit of dwarf longbeards. And I base them differently. So most of my stuff is based on 25mm circles. The dwarf longbeards, because I'm using them as heavy infantry, I've based them on 20mm circles. So their formation is much tighter. And again, in games terms, it has no difference. Yeah. It makes no effect. But it looks cooler on the tabletop. And then I found a unit. I found a unit, because my birthday's coming up. So I was thinking, what could I get them, the family to get me? And I was going to get some video equipment so that I could video when Matt and I play games. And I sort of, because we haven't recorded for a while and stuff, I sort of put that plan on the back burner. And I was looking around for things to get, and I came across the most beautiful figures. Do you remember a company called Studio Miniatures? Yes, I do, yeah. They make, zom- they make zombies yeah. um, and zombie survivors. They made a really nice Alice in Wonderland, uh, not Alice in Wonderland, Dorothy and Oz type survivor set, as if they were all in cosplay. Yeah. So they've started doing a medieval mayhem range. Nice. It's basically, well, it is. It's, it's a not, it's one of the not ranges. It's not Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Oh, okay. Now, they're pri- they are pricey, which is why I'm getting them for my birthday. But I'm gonna, my unit of elite cavalry is going to be the Knights of the Round Table with, <laughs> with the knight and then the squire with the coconuts behind them. Yeah. So you can make these, you can just make these things and you can, if you see figures, you can just go and go... Yeah, that's brilliant. And it's it's one of the reasons I love things like Frost. I've been playing Frostgrave and stuff. Um, and it's one of the thing, reasons that I've sort of been uninspired with certain other games is that... So the Twisted Kickstarter came around. Yes. And I was heavily into the Twisted Kickstarter for a long time. And in the end, I cancelled out. And the re- in the end, I cancelled out because the models that they were putting into the game were all for the game. And they weren't inspiring me in the same way that the very early figures that they brought out did. I, so, yes, I know, I, I know what you mean. So, I mean, the, the figures that... Because I've, I've got... Uh, You've got the, the stuff resins. that you want, haven't you, essentially? I've, I've, got, I've got those ones. And there were a few others that I would like, but I'll pick... The, there was nothing in a, the Kickstarter exclusives that I thought, I've got to have that. You know, I'll buy them when they come out and they'll fit into my various steampunky games. But... It was like, and it's like, um, I was talking to someone today about the Batman, the um, Marvel Superheroes game that's coming out. With the oh. X-Men and uh, yeah. Avengers. And I, was, I was looking at the prices, and I was thinking, it's €45 Euros for the starter box mm. of four figures. And they're not super-sized figures. It's not like a big monster, big guy in there. It's €45. Euros. That's quite a lot for four figures. Well, yeah. Um, but oh, I'm guessing it's, you know, it's... Well, you're paying license. for the licensing and everything, yeah. and yeah, I, I understand, I'm not railing against the pricing, I'm just going, you know, it's, that's a price point where you think, 
am I going to spend? You, you start questioning it. Yeah. Well, yeah, especially as I can pick up suitable figures, possibly not as good sculpts. Oh, yeah, the um... for hero clicks for yep. pennies. Yep. You know, you go on eBay and look for hero clicks Thor. There's loads of them, and you can get them all. Buy it now, quid. Um, yeah, and and yes, they're cheap, pre-painted, bendy plastic. But they but, take they take repaints really, really well. Yep. Yes, they do. All that stuff does because uh, obviously I did my Klingon ships, didn't I? The uh, yeah, and the they, they took they took repaints really well, didn't they? Yep. I've seen some really nice um, Frostgrave stuff. A guy who's done Spectral Hounds, and he's basically rebased uh, Horrorclix stuff, and they look awesome because they can take it. Yeah. So, it's and there's there's loads of lovely D and D monsters and things in the in that there's a D and D clicks range. There's loads of really nice D and D monsters, the big things. That you know, yeah, the painting on them isn't great, but you're getting them for a couple of pounds, <laughs> and you can repaint them, and they'll take the repaint really nicely. Well, I, sp- I spent some. Uh, I was bad. I spent some money on. Uh... The dwarf stuff. So I've 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 always wanted, I've always liked the cyborg stuff. Oh, the bear rider thingies. Yeah. So he's uh, I, I, and that was twenty five or thirty euros, I think it was. Um, but then I didn't like the idea that the dwarfs have got cavalry called Brock riders. Oh, Brock yeah. rider berserkers. But I didn't like the ideas of them wearing badges. Wearing badges. <laughs> uh, riding badges. So I had a good look around, and I found some. Um, they are Celtic dwarves right. riding pigs from West Wind Productions. Okay. From their Dwarf Wars right, figure range, and I fell in love with them. So I ended up buying. Uh, have, have they arrived? Yeah, they they have arrived. How were the casts? There are. <laughs> there is. An element of cleaning up that you have to do, especially around the back legs of the pig, because yeah. it is it is very it's just solid metal there. So um, I spent some very painful days at Smogcon cleaning them up, actually. Um, but it was worth it in the end because that they're what I wanted, you know. Uh, and they're nice figures. Yes. Yeah. No. I mean, Westwind. They have some quality control issues, I think, Westwind. But they do have nice sculpts if you can, if you can, you know, weed them, weed out the chaff. Yeah. Of thing. But they do normally take some cleanup. I've got some nice um, bikers and things from them for one of my post-apocalyptic gangs. But they're quite good. What else have I been up to? Oh, forty k. Forty k. Yes, we talked about. I said that I was building some space marines. Oh, yeah? Not playing 40k. However, this is Lee's fault. Lee found a set of rules um, on I can't, I don't, on the net somewhere, which is basically called One Page 40k. Mm-hmm. And it isn't a 40, it isn't 40k. It's a, it's a game that um, is... A page long for how you play, 
and it has a whole load of army lists for it that match with the army lists that you, you know, with Space Marines and everything. Right. Um, and I haven't, I, I haven't actually played it yet, um, but Lee has played it several times and says it's really, really good fun. And I've read the, I've read the rules and I've read through them and I went, this looks like an Osprey game. Or if you applied the metrics that GW have applied to AOS from Warhammer, yeah, then you would end up with this one page forty k. Okay. Um, you know, so each each troop has a quality score. That and you roll that quality score on a d six, and that's what they need to hit, or you know, to, when they're shooting, or um, to make a save. So Space Marines are quality three. So you roll your dice, and you need to get threes. Um, your opponent, you know, the orcs, I think, are quality five, so they need to roll five. So you know, you get that disparity. Um, but it seems really nice. And then um, you play at like 750 points, and you're allowed one monster and one vehicle, and then the rest are troops. And I think it's sort of, it'll be like 30 figures. <coughs> so not too much of an investment for well, you, no, but I also already, gives you the opportunity the... to. To play some Space Marine things, we'll buy some new stuff that yeah. they're. Really well, I already had the Dark. I already had the Dark Vengeance box set, which is the their starter the their starter game. Yeah, I already had that, and then I was at a tournament, or I was running a tournament at Wayland, and Lee had dropped out, and so um, he went and bought one of their new starter boxes. They, they, I don't know if you've seen these. They, yes, I have. Yeah. They seem to be really good value. Um, so he bought the orc one, and I went. I went. Chef, fair enough. I need to do so. I've got. I'm killing time at the tournament, and so I. I had some credit, and so I bought the um, space marine one. And I just spent. <laughs> just sat in between rounds building space marines while Lee built orcs. <laughs> um, but like I, said, I haven't actually, I haven't actually had, played yet. But um, you know, we're gonna we're gonna have a few games of that. Matt's obviously got a load of 40k. He's got a load of town. He's got a load of Imperial Guard. Um, he gave me a Rhino. Hey. <laughs> so, so yeah. So that's at some point we're going to get round to we're going to get round to playing that. So that'd be quite fun. Nice. Um, so yeah. What else have I done? Oh, and I finally played Seven TV. Whee! Which was excellent. Wasn't sure it was going to be, but it was. It took a lot of setup because it was a true unboxing. I hadn't even taken the shrink wrap off the the cards or anything. Mm-hmm. But once we got set up and we started, <clears throat> it was a lot of fun. It's like fistful of kung fu taken to the next level. Oh, nice one! In so that clearly, case. that's going to go somewhere in terms of. Your enjoyment of the game. Yes. Instead of it being... Fistful of Kung Fu is... You have your protagonist and then everyone else is effectively fodder. Um, In this... In uh, 7TV, there are more defined levels. And you can have... You could just build... um, Heroes, for example. Uh, You could just build a a group of heroes. Um... Or, you know, 
sidekicks night out and things and you could there's so much interesting type scenario play and things that you can do um it uses a very interesting activation system as well that's very much tied into the fact that it's based on tv shows nice one um you basically have you spend have to spend a certain amount you you get plot points and you have to spend a certain amount of plot points to activate a model um and you choose what order you want to activate models in and things. So it's quite cool that way and generating plot points and things. And the plot point, the amount of plot points you have swings back and forth depending on event cards and things like that. So oh, it sounds really interesting. It was, it was, we thought, we thought it was going, when we're doing all the setup and everything, it took us, I don't know, probably about an hour to get the game set up. And we both, we both were thinking, yeah okay there's a lot of we've done a, had to do a lot of work here to work out what's going on and build our casts and everything but once you started to get into the game and once you'd played a couple of rounds and then the mechanics started to become automatic then the game really flowed really well and you could see so much potential i think at dafcon next year i'm just going to i'm going to do a seven tv campaign day yep where basically i'll just provide everything and just see and just have people have 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 people come and play and just have like linked adventures because that's the sort of thing i'm going to do at dafcon next year Mm. we should talk about dafcon shouldn't we sure given that it's 18 days away yeah not 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 far away is it no not long to go till DAFCON. Um, it's coming. Yeah, baby. It's. I'll be honest. It's not everything that I hoped it would be. Yeah, I think uh, you. The numbers are down on on what you were hoping for. Yes. Yeah, it's going to be about sixty people a day. Which is still pretty damn good, really, if you think about it. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it is. It's... But it's not met your expectations in terms of uh, support for the event. But it'd be interesting to sort of take that apart um, post the show, post the actual yeah, event. Yeah, I think I honestly think that everyone who's coming will have a really good time. Yeah, so do I. Um, I think that there'll be a lot of fun gaming going on and a lot of banter and enjoyment. It hasn't taken off the way... And maybe the the fact that it hasn't taken off in the way that I hoped it would or thought it would... And I should, be, I should say, it's only 15 people a day down on where I wanted it to be. You know, I was hoping for 75 a day. I'm getting 60 a day. And so I'm not... <laughs> you know, it's not miles away it's not like there's 10 people turning up a day um part of it has definitely been my fault um i've learned a lot about when to schedule events i've i haven't i don't think i've pushed the individual tos enough and i'm not sure that i've structured it in the right way um to to push the tos and to incent the tos yep um, and I think part of that is 
because I'm bringing in gaming communities that I don't know, and I foolishly assume that the gaming communities that I don't know would function in the same way that the gaming communities that I do know. But there have been elements of of, of things where you've you'd you'd expect a bit more, for instance, uh, and I'm, this is not meant to be any sort of um, uh, slur on the game system or the community itself. But I mean, a classic example of that is is Gilball, for instance, which is I did expect. I must admit, I did expect Gilball to sell out on the Saturday. I expect, you know, given the strength of it, I expected thirty-two players to turn up for Gilball rather than the ten or eleven that are actually turning up. Now, part of its salute. Um, and that's something that I've, you know, the time it, where I've put it is wrong. Um, but that's not your fault either, because salute. Salute is the wrong week. Yeah, salute <laughs> ended up being the wrong week, as you said. And um, there should be a two-week gap between salute and. Us. But again, you know, it's it's not in the right it's not in the right place for next year for 2017. And I will do one next year. Um, you know, and that's when that's the point that I'll go. Is the experiment working? Because um, you know, I'm hopeful that the feedback from this year that people will have a good enough time that they'll go back and things. And things are, you know, and things are filling up. If I look, if I look at it now, um, if I, you know, if I bring up the my. Um, uh, my list of things. So if I look, so on the Friday, you know, Crossmaster, I ran two sessions of Crossmaster. Uh, one of them is full, um, and one of them is half full. Super Dungeon Explorer, they're both half full, but that means they're going to run. Gorkamorka didn't do anything. There's two people playing Gorkamorka. Um, of Gods and Mortals, still, yeah. Of Gods and Mortals, um, no one really wanted to play it. Um, completely, I completely overestimated the whether people would want to try that out, mm. um, and I think that that's one of the that's the sort of game that next year I would make a participation type game. You don't have to have anything. Yep. You 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 sign up to play. You sign up to play a session of of Gods and Mortals. You know, maybe it's a four hour campaign session type thing. Frostgrave has done really well. Frostgrave um, really is a, a a buzz at the moment. It though. is a buzzing game. Yeah. I mean, I've got two sessions of Frostgrave. One um, which has got five out of eight, and the second one is full. I've got eight people in it. Um, Malifaux singles has done very well it's what I'd expect but I would have expected Malifaux to do very well um, there's 22 people playing in that um, X-Wing has got 7 people playing in it um, and Armada has 2 playing in it that's one of the ones that's a my, that's a, a my fault and um, because the people who are organising Armada um, could only do it on the Friday um, I couldn't. He would, the, you know, no one wants to organise Armada. I thought Armada would be more popular. You know, it's it's one of those lessons learnt type things. Don't schedule yep. them against each other, um, and tap into those tap into those communities. And it, again, none of this is any slur on any of these people who have put all their time and effort into organising these things. What about games like Roots and Magic and things like that? So Roots and Magic is on Sunday. Um, there are three people signed up for that. Mm-hmm. 
Um, there are three people signed up for Dead Man's Hand. There's eight people signed up for the Guild Ball Speedball thing. There are four people signed up for Bushido. Batman's doing very well. It's got eight out of its 16. Malifaux Doubles are doing very well. Um, Epic I has done oh, very poorly. Just I think. bear with me a minute. Yeah. Door. He's gone to the door. There's somebody at the door. There's somebody at the door. Back. Hey. Gunsmiths. Woot. From those nice people at uh, Element. Element Games. Yeah. Why did you go to Element Games and not Firestorm? Uh, I was going to. I didn't think to go to Firestorm, actually. I should have done. Um, so, yeah, Roots has got three, and Epic hasn't done at all well. Oh, really? No, it's had two sign ups. Oh, okay. Um, Relic Knights has had three Saga has had four um, Gods and Mortals has done better on Saturday it's got six people playing so you know you're looking at what so basically it's it's one session for a game and I think I'm going to change the way that people sign up so that when you buy a ticket you um, sign up at the time that you're buying your ticket do you do it the old WPS way and have a first and second or well, uh, no I'm or do, you, have do, do you actually have a, a pre before you actually do any of this do you actually um, have a, a poll that says what game systems would you like to see at no that's that what one? I'm not going to do because if okay. I do that then all I'll get is Malifaux and War Machine and well no you don't have those choices on there so you just have a set number of games no what I'm going to do is I'm going to basically I'm going to sell the t- I'm going to sell the tickets and I'm going to sell um, uh, cheaper day part che- the, the entrance to DAFCON will be cheaper and then you'll pay for the to enter the tournaments that you want to enter okay the same are you basically the Adepticon model yes yeah um, so that's what I'll do next year. But anyway, so the you know, let's <laughs> say, I should, okay. So I'm sounding very depressed. But on say Saturday, we're going to have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different game systems running at the same time. None Would of them, none of them, PP or Games Workshop. Which is pretty impressive, really, when you think about it. Yeah, um, and I think the same on. I think the same. How many on Sunday? I think it's the same on Sunday. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven on Sunday. So, are you still there? Yes, I am. Yeah. Okay. So you know, plenty of game systems. Not as busy as I hoped it would be, but you know, lots of people having fun. 
and hopefully those people will go out and spread the word to other gamers and things. That was one of the other things that I um, I think I've misjudged is the willingness of smaller game systems, the willingness of players of those to travel somewhere yeah, to play people thing, yeah. to play people outside their normal play group. Yeah, you know, I thought that, um, for example, let's look at Frostgrave's um popularity i really thought that i would be able to get another frostgrave session in on the saturday that you know people would there would be people who go i'd like to come on the saturday and play frostgrave but no there isn't so next year i shall do things differently and certain game systems i think will make as i say there'll be a mixture of participation games or participation campaigns sort of thing and <laughs> tournaments and I think I'll leave the tournament running to other people and I'll put my efforts into making sure that the participation games are organised which sounds like a, a good thing to do because I think one of the um, things that I've noticed at SmogCon is the if you look at the statistics from SmogCon this year, it was evident that there was less competitive play, but the Iron Arena was crammed, absolutely crammed. And the Iron Arena is uh, where you do your casual play. Yeah. Uh, so, but, but, but what you could do is... <laughs> What you could do is, based on popularity of sort of, you know, the participation stuff, you, if you have the ability to essentially do a pop-up event later on that day with people who've yep. taken part in that participation, saying, you know, would you be, at the end of the participation, you say, would you be interested in taking part in a six-man event or an eight-man event yep. later on today? Because we'll run it, you know? Um, and And that in itself might be a... Uh, a way of getting people involved, you know. That, that, that. I suppose the other thing is, though, Mike, is do we actually need like events for these things rather than just taking part and in the in the actual sort of demonstration, as it were? Well, that's it. I mean, it's you know, I've got. To, I'm going to have to rethink what my aims are. I mean, my aims are is to provide people with places that they can come and play you know an event that they can come and play all of these wonderful wonderful games that are out there yeah and you know there is there, there just isn't a thing like that and you know maybe there just isn't the, the requ- you know that sort of thing it just doesn't appeal to the players of those games playing against different people which is why I think it's for certain things like the 7TV thing, having a campaign-type um, weekend or day or session is the right thing to do. Um, you know, and... Need to uh, do a better. I need to do a better, and it, you know, it's all things that I need to do. And I, I think there, I think there is a promotion aspect to it as well. You know. Yeah. 
um, even if a video of some sort. Yeah, well... In fact, that's probably a good idea. That, that's something I should do this year whilst I'm up there. Take some footage which can be knitted together in some yeah, way. Maybe. But also, with moving it, then for Salute 2017, we can just hand that... We can just spam 20, Salute 2017. Yep. But anyway. It's going to be fun. You know, talk, it's, it's, three days, it's three days. It's three days of great gaming. Um, there's there's loads of people who've been building new stuff and putting stuff together and things. So. Talking about salute, and that's a big thing for you as well in terms of benefits. <sighs> yeah, I know. Ah, <laughs> oh, yes, bendy boards. Cut, cut, cut. That's all it's in. <laughs> Everything's looking pretty good for that from that point of view, and there are some stonking deals as well. So, oh, thank you very much. Um, yes, we are launching a whole raft of new stuff. At Salute, a whole you know that we've been teasing on the Facebook and the um, Twitter over the last few months. Um, I think one two. Three new building ranges. Yeah, you need to you need to get some more photos on your Facebook page because yes, yes. The uh, last thing that's on there is the the clock tower and the bandstand one, and I know for a fact that there's other stuff. <coughs> um, is it? Well, that's what I can see here at the moment, and sweets as well. Oh yeah, there are sweets. Uh, but the the main deals that you're putting together, you haven't got stock photos essentially yet. Even as even if they were in the same way that uh, the the house clock tower. No, the the um, Victorian ones there. Then uh, it was added two new photos. Seventeenth of March. It's the two. It's the photos next to the. Uh, the so I'm on, I'm on the bendy boards, Facebook page. Facebook page. And the last thing I see is the is the last post is March seventeenth. Sweet sweets. If the terrain bundles aren't enough to yes, and then the one before that, the post before that on the same day is the just working to finalise the salute terrain bundles. What do you think of this little lot for fifty quid? Yeah, so that's the one I was just talking about. Phone. <laughs> I don't know what he's talking about. That shows the that shows the terrain bundle. They didn't want to fix my PC. Oh, didn't they? No. Um. Yes, that's the one I was talking about with the bandstand. So the, yeah, the bandstand and the clock and the graveyard and the. So that's there's the two pictures of that, and yeah. then then there's the rabbit. Yeah, you you are looking at it, so I don't know what you're asking for. Oh, I, I wanted one with the fountain stuff. Oh, okay. Yes, uh, I need to take better pictures of that. Well, you you've got some of those, so just just put them on there. Just promo it. Get it. Get it. Get right. get get it buzzing. Okay. So yes, yeah, so anyway, there are a load of terrain bundles where we're selling stuff. 
um, basically 50 quid for a load of terrain. For terrain that's probably worth about 70 or 80 quid. Yeah, retail, retail minimum I think is 75. Some of them are worth more, depending if, on when we decided uh, to put in. If you don't manage to buy the stuff at Salute, though, you're going to... It's on the website. It'll be it's on, on the website. website. Yes, because obviously the Bendy Board's website is closed at the moment. Mm. Um, mainly so that we can cut all the stuff. Um, but there's those. What else? There's going to be the ben- the Bendy boxes that if you've seen on Twitter, you'll have seen. Um, there'll be nice. various, one, various ones of those. There's fr- I've got 20 Frostgrave ones cut that are double height and they fit a sleeved Frostgrave spell deck. Um, I'm save, doing f- save one for me, please. I'm doing Frostgrave tokens at the moment. Um, so that'll be all the Frostgrave stuff. If you're in the Frostgrave Facebook group, you've seen all this. Um, yes, there's a Frostgrave-themed terrain bundle. There's um, some others, a Wild West one, and loads of trays and things that Lee's in the process of cutting... I'm out of wood at the moment, so I'm reduced to cutting grey. I'm cutting grey board. <laughs> um, but yeah, so loads of stuff that we've teased over sort of the last year. We're all going to finally get around to releasing because we've got cut sheets and everything, and it will all be on the store afterwards. Um, and bendy boards, uh, silicon wristbands, as modelled on my Twitter feed by Conrad. <laughs> Lovely. Um, and sweets, flying saucers, and wham bars. Guess what I've just looked, done a search for on Google. Uh, I don't know what. An otter's mouth, because I've finished this otter, and I've just realised that I have not painted the inside of its mouth, so I've just looked to find a reference picture of the inside of an otter's mouth, and it's pink. Yeah. <laughs> well, you never know with these things, do you? You do, if you're not an idiot. Oh, uh, yeah. Your problem is... I've now got to go and find something that... Uh, that snake's mouth. What colour's a snake's mouth? Sort of a yellowy beige. Oh, look at you with your... your... Well, there's different colours, isn't there? Alright, are we done now, then? Yeah, go on, then. That was... um. I was long and it was rambly, but it was, uh, hopefully it was entertaining. Well, hopefully. Right. Do, I not, do I need to sign up for any events at DAFCON? Do you want to play it? Have you got a ticket for DAFCON? No, I haven't yet. How are you going to sign up for events? I need to get a ticket, don't I? Do I, do I, need, to, um, do I need to find somewhere to stay as well? Uh, that I can help you with. Okay. What about uh, if I had a an alpha version of Adventures in the Core? Would I still need to buy a ticket? Uh, yes, you would. Okay. What's Adventures in the Core? It's the game that we've been developing. I, th- I thought we were going to go. <laughs> we are going. We're going now. Are we not going to talk just... about? Are we not going to talk about it? No, we just leave it like that. Really. Yeah. Are we going to have... We, we haven't got the figures for it. <laughs> I know. That's because I haven't told you to buy them, even though you know you have to buy them. <laughs> we, haven't got, we haven't got the figures and we haven't designed the sample war bands. I know. Oh. 
and you've, you're too busy for do, for salute with salute and staff cops. I know. I know. Oh. Right, I'm going. No, we should say though. We should just say. We I think we have talked about in the past that Conrad and I are in the process of writing a game. And Mr. Spooner as well. Oh, but he's not really doing anything. He was there at one of the meetings. He was there at one of the meetings. So we, we are we are writing it. We are writing this game and. Um, Conrad came here to my house a couple of weeks ago um, to play it. Well, I, I, it's a strange thing, writing a game, because just like anything, like painting block, and the, you get a development block. And I'm sure Mr. Hutchinson doesn't suffer this from this because he's like a oh no, he prolific. does because he does because he said he ha- he said in the past that he has. So I figured the best way of doing this was, the best way of dealing with this was to go to Mike's and basically play what we had so far, which not only tested out what I'd written, um, or what we'd written at the end of the day. Well, no, what you'd written, you'd written it based on my... uh, Yeah, um, based on our ideas, essentially, at the end of the day. But it it tested out what what had been put on paper as such, um, and allowed us to play and design a starter mission, or one of the starter missions, as it were, and also test some of the mechanisms out at the same time with what ended up being uh, a telephone call. <laughs> a nice telephone call. So, so anyway, we, we, play, we played the game, and it actually worked. And it actually felt like a proper game. And... The mechanisms that we'd come up with in our head that I thought would work would work. Oh, you're back. I'm back. Yes, it's my bad. you know, I thought would work. Which there's a a very interesting mechanism about initiative, um, and then there's some interesting mechanisms around how combat is fought. And we got two out of three right. We got shooting combat worked really well. Initiative worked amazingly well but we've modified that now haven't we we have modified it but yeah. it did work i mean the because otherwise the, cons- the turn goes on for too long the, but the concept worked yes exceptionally well and is re- makes it really interesting and that's something i have done i have m- made the relevant tokens for that oh one set or two sets i made two sets hey, okay but what didn't work was, was hand-to-hand combat because it just went on forever. <laughs> it was like people <laughs> slapping each other with wet fish. <laughs> or handbags. Or soft toys. So we, we, have, we made some changes to that, which we haven't play-tested. But well, we kind of. We play-tested it in the next couple of rounds, didn't we, as such? Or turns, as it were. Yes. But what we will, ha- what we will do at DAFCON, um, and I think it will be the Saturday, because Saturday's the day that I'm not running anything. Is we, could have, we could try some playtesting again. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying we'll do. We'll play some Into the Core. Mm-hmm. We'll just need to come up with a couple of warbands that will be okay. unpainted. Of but, course. But that's fine. We can undercoat them at least. Possibly. Well, no, we can undercoat them. Okay. We'll just pick them and then I'll buy the figures. <laughs> And it'll be a work expense, so I can buy it from a different account. (laughs) (laughs) Right, I'm going now. All right, then. Thank Thank you you very much. much. Um, 
talk to you again yeah. soonish. Well, you know, now you're employed again. Well, I have to go to evening regular sessions at some point, whatever that is. I don't know. However, prob- do you know what? I bet you I become more productive from a hobby perspective going back to work as well. I bet you do as well because you won't yeah. sit around fretting about not being at work. Actually, is that the reason? That probably is. <laughs> we, we've discussed it on this show yes, that yes. it's if it is. it's. Oh, I've got, I should be doing. I should be doing job applications. I did, yeah, and then you just end up doing absolutely nothing. Yes. Yeah. So, apart from walking the dogs, <laughs> I'm going to go and get a haircut now. You get any hair? Well, I might, might cut one here. <sighs> All right then. And on a closing night, I really hope that they go with RRS Boaty McBoat face. <laughs> yes, so do I. But they won't. They'll go with RRS David Attenborough, which I also really like as well. I have to admit, because if anyone deserves to have a shit named after him, surely it's David Attenborough. <laughs> but I do like Boaty McBoatface. And on that note, he's been Conrad, and uh, he's been Mike. We'll speak to you again soon. You can contact Fools Daily on Twitter, we're at Fools Underbar Daily, or via email, foolsdaily at outlook.com.